You can't run your LLC operations through your personal bank account. They're going to pierce the veil in that situation. So these are some of the rules that you need to follow. Another one, Taylor, is that when you have a corporation or an LLC and you sign a contract, it needs to be, the contract needs to be in the name of the corporation or LLC where it says Inc. or LLC, right? You don't mm-hmm. want anyone to think they're doing business with you personally. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show where you will learn how to build passive wealth with real estate so you can stop trading hours for dollars and live life on your own terms. Today, our guest is Rich Dad Advisor, Garrett Sutton. And today we're talking all about entities, corporate entities for real estate investors. A lot of information in this one. We talk about which entities are best for real estate investors. Spoiler alert, it's LLCs. Which states are best to form LLCs in and why? Which states are worst to form LLCs in? The biggest mistakes that investors make that allow their corporate veils to be pierced, thus bringing them personal liability in many situations. So much great information in here about corporations for real estate investors. This is must-know information and can take a lot of liability off the table for you if you follow these steps. Garrett also just put out a book that just came out today on July 26th called Veil Not Fail. That book is all about how to prevent your corporate veils from being pierced due to various liabilities, lawsuits, all those kinds of things. We're just scratching the surface today on the content in that book. So go check it out, Veil Not Fail, after you listen to this interview. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, and I help busy people passively invest in commercial real estate. If you'd like to learn more and schedule a call with me, just go to investwithtaylor.com. Fill out the form, and I will look forward to speaking with you soon. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. People see your reviews and they think, hey, this person learned something from listening to the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Maybe I can learn something too, so I'm going to tune in and I appreciate that so, so much. And that helps you spread the love, bring other people in. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please do share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. That's when we're here. That's when we're doing it. We live streamed this conversation on YouTube. Everybody on our email list got an invitation to that stream. If you're not on our email list and you didn't get the invitation, you weren't present for the live stream. And I hope that you will be present for our next live stream. If you want to find out about it, just go to PassiveWealthStrategy.com. Enter your info and that way you'll get notifications about all of our future live streams with our awesome guests, just like Garrett Sutton. Great conversation. I hope you don't mind. One of our rescue cats kind of briefly interrupts the interview at one point, but she's great. So we we forgive her. She's awesome. Once again, our guest today is Garrett Sutton. We're talking all about corporate entities, how to protect those corporate entities from having their corporate veils pierced, the steps that you need to take, where to form those corporate entities, so much more. So if you're a real estate investor out there and you feel like maybe your knowledge on LLCs, corporate formations and formalities, all those things is maybe a little lacking, this is the interview to listen to. Once again, thank you for tuning in. Without any further ado, 
Here we go with Garrett Sutton. Garrett, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure, Taylor. Good to be with you. It's great to talk with you so far, and I'm really excited for the topic that you have to share with our audience. But before we get to that, can you tell our listeners a bit about yourself, your background, your legal practice, and all those great things? Well, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area and went to Berkeley. I got a business degree, went across the Bay to San Francisco to Hastings College of the Law, which is the University of California's law school in San Francisco. And I, I just took to corporate law. It just, it just felt good. I, I enjoyed the topic. And so I went into the practice of corporate law. I practiced in San Francisco and Washington, D.C. And uh, then I moved to Reno. Uh, I'm a skier and a uh, nice cat there. Thank you. Uh, yeah. And Nevada's a great place to set up corporations and LLCs. So it was a good fit. And I've been practicing here uh, you know, for 35 years and, uh, raised a family. And, you know, it's, it, it's really just great because I became associated with Robert Kiyosaki mm-hmm. and the Rich Dad Advisor Group. And I've written a number of books in the Rich Dad series, uh, with Robert. We've gone around the country, around the world, talking about financial education. It's interesting, Taylor. There's a thirst for that information all over the world. And, uh, so it's really been a pleasure to, write these books. They're, they're legal topics, but I tell stories as a way to communicate the important topics. And so it's been really, uh, you know, just a, a great deal of pleasure to write the books and travel around the world and help people understand how they can, you know, gain their financial assets and protect them. Nice. Awesome. And you have a, a new book coming cool. out very soon. You mind telling us uh, a bit about that? Well, I have to hold it up. It's called Veil, it. Not Stale. And, uh, it's about piercing the corporate veil. When someone is suing the corporation and it doesn't have money and they the corporation hasn't followed the rules, they can pierce through the veil of protection and get your personal assets. So you've set up the corporation or an LLC to be protected. But if you don't follow these simple rules, you lose all that protection. And not enough people are following the rules. When they pierce the veil, it succeeds in half of all cases. It's, it's really a, a very large number of people are not taking the steps to stay protected. That's wild. Half of all cases. I mean, that, that you told me that before we started recording, that number really shocked me. That fraction really shocked me. And you say simple rules, right? But I, I'm not an attorney. Is it going to be simple to me and to the other investors out there who are not attorneys? Like, what are these rules that we need to follow then? And what makes well, them so one of simple? The big ones, Taylor, is there's all these promoters out on the internet saying you don't need to have a meeting if you're an LLC. And I disagree with that. Uh, I think that if you're in court, you want to prove to the jury and the judge that you've had annual meetings. You have to have annual meetings with a corporation uh, and you should have annual meetings with an LLC. I mean, I don't want to be in front of a jury having to say, yes, I ran this uh, duplex for 10 years without ever holding a meeting. How do you continue a business without ever holding a meeting? So it's important to have those annual meeting minutes. Uh, you need to have a separate tax return for each LLC in almost all cases. You know, you need to have a separate bank account. You can't run your LLC operations through your personal bank account. They're going to pierce the veil in that situation. So these are some of the rules that you need to follow. Another one, Taylor, is that when you have a corporation or an LLC and you sign a contract, 
it needs to be, the contract needs to be in the name of the corporation or LLC where it says Inc. or LLC, right? You don't Mm -hmm. want anyone to think they're doing business with you personally. So you want to have Inc. or LLC and you want to list yourself as president or manager. It's called corporate notice. You want to give the notice to the world that you're operating through an entity and not operating on your own where you could be held personally liable for everything. So the the whole idea of meetings, I mean, a lot of folks that are going to be listening out there with their real estate specific LLCs that are just for their own investments, they might have a, a single member LLC where they're the only person involved really. And it might feel a little you know, asinine to to host a meeting with yourself. And it might seem like in the, in the short run, it might not seem like the greatest use of time, if you will, if you'll, you know, permit me that expression, but how can, I guess, how can people kind of streamline that process, maybe set reminders for themselves, but also, you know, make sure they're absorbing, they're, they're following those formalities, but they're not, you know, just going through the motions, if you will. Well, when we, when people set up an LLC with us, we give you a book with the meeting minute format in there. And so you can do these minutes on your own and notice they're called minutes, not hours. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not hard to do. But a lot of people will never do it themselves. So we offer a service where we'll do the minutes for you on an annual basis. It's just important to do. When you go into court, you want to have that minute book showing that once a year you had a meeting, you elected yourself as manager for the next year. I know it sounds odd that if you're a single member having a meeting with yourself, isn't that kind of weird? Well, it's not weird when you get in a courtroom. Mm, Okay, interesting. So people always, I think, come into the question of what type of entity should I use for my real estate investing? And, and you know, pretty much everybody goes with LLCs, but even within the LLC framework, there are several options to choose from. And, you know, you know, the good, bad and the ugly. So let's dig into that and which ones are good, you know, specifically in a, in a real estate investing context, what's good, what's bad, what's okay. ugly. In a real estate setting, the uh, ugly is the C corporation. And back in the day, they didn't have LLCs and people would put uh, real estate into C-Corps, but the taxation on it, the double tax of a C-Corp, you're going to pay a whole lot more in taxes if your property is in a a C-Corp or the LLC has all sorts of flexibility in taxation. You can be taxed however you want. If you had an LLC taxed as a C-Corp, you're going to feel the pain at tax time. So that's the ugly entity taxed as a C-Corp. The bad entity is taxed as an S-Corp. You know, it's not as bad as the C-Corp, but you you are going to pay extra tax when you sell that property. The good entity is the LLC. I mean, these days, Taylor, all of my clients, with very few exceptions, set up LLCs and then have it taxed as an S-Corp, C-Corp, whatever you want. The LLC offers the good asset protection in states like Nevada, Wyoming, and Delaware. The C-Corp or the S-Corp really doesn't offer the same level of asset protection that an LLC does. So I'm glad you mentioned states in the context of LLCs, because that question comes up as well as, hey, I'm going to use an LLC and I'm buying a property in uh, North Carolina, just to throw an example out there. What's a great state for, what's the best state for me to incorporate my LLC in? And then another question that comes up is, if I incorporate my state in Delaware, just to pick a state that you mentioned, can I even buy a property in North Carolina? I see that question come up as well. So let's talk about states and, and okay, LLCs. States. Well, let's say you're buying the property in North Carolina. 
you know, you're doing business in the state of North Carolina. Uh, so we would set up a North Carolina LLC to be on title to that property. Then we would have the North Carolina LLC owned by a Wyoming LLC, which gives you the good asset protection if you're sued from the outside. You get in a car wreck. It has nothing to do with the real estate in North Carolina. They'd like to get at it. But with Wyoming, they have to fight through Wyoming to get to North Carolina. And Wyoming's laws are very protective. So you could you could set up a Wyoming LLC and qualify it to do business in North Carolina. But when the tenant sues, North Carolina law applies. That's true in all 50 states. So, Taylor, what we would do is we have a North Carolina LLC on title owned by the Wyoming LLC. You buy a property in Ohio. We have an Ohio LLC owned by the same Wyoming LLC. We don't need to set up a new Wyoming every time. It's just a passive holding entity. Now, which state is better than, you know, Wyoming, Nevada, Delaware? It's great. They compete against each other to be the best. You know, most countries, the corporate law is a federal law. But during the American Revolution, we were fighting not only the English crown, but the British East India Company, this giant corporation. And after the revolution, all the states said, we want our own corporate laws. We are not going to let the, an East India Company take over our state. So, Every every state has its own corporate law, which allows Nevada, Wyoming, and Delaware to compete to be the best. So it's kind of interesting how that all evolved. We like Wyoming for a couple reasons. All three states, Nevada, Wyoming, and Delaware, offer great asset protection. They're they're equal there. Wyoming, though, the annual fee is only $62 a year. In Nevada and Delaware, it's $350 a year. And in Wyoming, they don't list your name on the state website. Wow. So you have some privacy there. So when we give our clients the choice and you can call us up and get a free 15 minute consultation and we'll go through all these issues with you. But we, when we give our clients the choice, they u- uniformly pick Wyoming. Interesting. OK, I've also heard Colorado mentioned in this context. I'm definitely not an expert in this topic enough to, to mention why. I just wanted to bring that up and say, what are your thoughts on Colorado? Colorado's OK, but they're not as good as Wyoming. Wyoming has superior asset protection. Uh, Colorado lists your name on the state website. Uh, Wyoming doesn't. So you have more privacy with Wyoming. Now, if you're going to own a duplex in Denver, you're going to use a Colorado LLC to be on title to that property. And then you'll have it owned by, as we mentioned, a Wyoming LLC. Interesting. Okay. So a lot of our listeners out there right now invests in real estate syndications as limited partner investors. And sometimes this question comes up as, hey, I'm a limited partner investor in a syndication that's going to be an LLC and all those kinds of things, but I'm just investing in LP shares. Should I have my own entity? What are your thoughts on that? Well, if you're the limited partner or the member of an LLC where, you know, you're just a passive investor, uh, you can hold that in your individual name. I do like having a Wyoming LLC to hold those interests. It just make it's just another layer of pain that someone would have to go through. And for $62 a year, it's just another form of insurance. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we have many listeners out there who are doctors or, or other folks whose profession might cause them to incur a pretty significant amount of personal liability from non-real estate related stuff. So that extra privacy would make a lot of sense. Right. And, you know, we always recommend that people have insurance. You own that duplex, you're going to have insurance on it. 
But then the LLC is a second line of defense. And I always recommend that people have an umbrella policy of insurance for their personal activities, for your home, your auto. I mean, one of the biggest risks is you get in that horrific car wreck and you want to have enough insurance to cover that. And with an umbrella policy, which, you know, a million dollars of extra coverage is only $400. With the umbrella policy, the attorneys know how to get at that money. And they're not good at getting through these LLCs. So if you leave enough red meat out there, the umbrella (laughs) policy, they're going to leave you alone on a Wyoming LLC. It's just not a good use of their time. Gotcha. Nice. Interesting. Interesting way to put it. So I understand that you have some uh, horror stories, experiences around entity selection from us, particularly things that you you wouldn't learn about, say, in law school or anything like that. Let's uh, dive into that. I'm so, so curious. Well, the one I always tell is my friend Robert Kiyosaki had a a friend down in Phoenix. And, you know, back in the day, people would do business on a handshake. You know, they were general partners. And with a general partner, like a sole proprietorship, you're personally liable for everything that happens. And so the general partner's daughter, the other general partner, was driving a truck for the lumber yard, got in an accident And Robert's friend was not in the accident, but he was held equally responsible for all that went wrong and all his personal assets were exposed. Uh, So you're not going to do business through a general partnership or a sole proprietorship. And a lot of people think, well, the start, you know, I'm going to buy this duplex. I'll just put it in my individual name and later I'll transfer it into the LLC. And, you know, you get going in the crush of commerce, you forget to do it. Well, a tenant suing you over a condition on the property, you know, you're personally responsible at that point because title is in your individual name. They can get all the assets you own. So don't make that mistake at the start. Right at the start, you need to set up that LLC. Interesting. So there is that. So in that particular case, uh, the person, you know, didn't transfer the property, the LLC in time in this duplex example that you provided. But what if they had, they had gotten the title transferred in time prior to, you know, the accident or whatever uh, liability occurred. Can the courts still go back and say, yeah, but you own this property in your own name. Now your LLC owns it. It's kind of Six of one, half dozen the other. You're You'd still have to liable. have a horrible lawyer for that. To happen, <laughs> right. I mean, when the tenant was renting from you, title was in the name of the LLC. Right. Mm-hmm. And what you're going to do is you're going to have the lease be in the name of the LLC. They're going to sign the lease saying that they are leasing from an LLC. They're going to write a check out their, their, you know, monthly rent payment to an LLC bank account. Uh, and so you're not going to be held personally responsible. The, the only way you become personally responsible in those kind of situations is you have to do something intentional. I mean, you have to actively try and hurt the tenant. And who's going to do that? You know, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, don't do that. We're you know, yeah, don't discouraged. Do that. <laughs> don't do that. So, okay. Are there any other uh, good, bad, well, bad and ugly uh, horror stories that uh, well, we can dig a into. A common horror story is someone sets up the LLC and thinks they're done. That You have to do this second step by transferring title from your name into the name of the LLC. And another little horror story is if you use a quit claim deed, which people mispronounce as quick claim deed, like <laughs> yes. it's easier and quicker. It's not. <laughs> 
But if you use a quit claim deed, you sever the title insurance. So we always want you to use a grant deed or a warranty deed when you're transferring title from yourself to your LLC. So is that one of the things that, again, your your attorney can help you with? Because this is this is too many terms for me to keep track of, to be honest with you. It's not right. my area of expertise. Well, you got to read my book. I'll have to hold it up. Loopholes of Real Estate. We go through it there. Awesome. awesome. All these issues are covered in this book, Loopholes of Real Estate. And we talk about the title transfer issue. And there's some little insurance issues you need to be aware of. So this is a really good book for people who are going to be you know, investing in real estate. This talks about the legal and tax advantages of investing in real estate. Love it. Love it. Okay. So what is the worst state to have an LLC in? You know, for somebody that's out there, hey, they already have an LLC. It's not Delaware. It's not Wyoming. It's not even Colorado or Nevada. It's some one of the other states that we haven't mentioned. If they already have it established in X state, and what what state is that that it would be like bad news bears? The, the bottom the three state. tied for 50th, tied for last place <laughs> are California, New York and Utah. OK, so if you have a California LLC on title, right, we should add the Wyoming LLC to hold the California LLC, because on the outside attack where you get sued in the car wreck or professionally, they have to fight through Wyoming. If the, if the property's held in California and you own that LLC directly, the court in California will say, well, you know, you own this property in California and the guy was in a car wreck, so we're going to force you to sell the property. That's the law in California, New York, and Utah. Interesting. Okay. okay. And does California also have a franchise tax? Where does that play in here? I've heard no, that it's a, go it, I live in Reno and every 10th license plate is a California plate now, Taylor. They're all moving here uh, because of these fees. And in California, it's $800 per entity per year. And it is just, it, even that drives people out. But then the, you know, the state tax rate is 13.3%. And so that, you know, people vote with their feet and a lot of people are leaving California right now. Wow. So I would imagine over the last decade, 15 years, there's been a big disruption in in your industry by the legal zooms of the world, which there are several of those companies that provide those services. What do you have to say to the customers of legal zoom who presumably, you know, you, you would offer a, a, a service that you think is better for them? I suppose I'm not exactly sure how to phrase that question, but I think you know what I mean. I, I do. And the problem with the online services is, you know, they don't give you the whole story. And so many people have formed these entities online and they don't know that there are requirements, right, for ongoing protection. And so that's why I wrote Veil Not Fail in, in particular for all the people who have set up these entities online and aren't aware that there are these continuing obligations. So, you know, you just need to be educated. But here's the thing, Taylor, they don't teach this in school. You know, you've got to get this information on your own. I wish they did teach it in school, but it's not happening anytime soon. So you have to get this information on your own. That's true. And it's this information is also not taught, in my experience, in a lot of just real estate training courses. They don't really get into the weeds of these kinds of things because people train, teaching the courses are not attorneys, so they're not qualified to talk on these things. But it's still important right. information that we need. Correct. So 
we talked about piercing the corporate veil from the sense of not honoring the corporate formalities, say like the annual meeting. What else comes to mind? What are other mistakes that people are making that is allowing their corporate veil to be pierced? Well, a lot of people don't pay attention to the fact that they have to have a registered agent or resident agent in the state where the the company was formed and where it's qualified. So let's say you have a Wyoming LLC. You've set it up and it's your holding protective entity. And, you know, you get these notices about the resident agent and, you know, you kind of ignore it. The registered agent is there to accept service of process, meaning notice of a lawsuit. And if you haven't paid the registered agent, uh, the process server, the sheriff comes by and says, I'm suing XYZ LLC. And the, the registered agent says, well, I'm sorry, but they didn't pay for last year. And so the sheriff goes back to the attorney and says, well, we tried to serve and uh, they wouldn't accept it. And then the attorney goes to the court and says, look, we tried to serve them, but we couldn't. And the judge says, OK, we'll pu- publish notice in the newspaper. And you know that little third, you know, two point type that you see at the back of newspapers? <laughs> You're never going to get notice of that. And so then they they publish in the paper and you don't answer because you didn't see it. And then they go back to the court and say, okay, we tried to serve them. We published notice in the newspaper. There was no answer. And the judge says, default judgment, you win. And so, you know, you have lost the case because you didn't get notice of. And so this is really important to have a registered agent that understands the importance of notice of a lawsuit. Uh, you know, we offer the service in 50 states. And when someone is served at our office, we're on the phone immediately because you've only got 30 days to answer that in, in court. And so you've got to get going. You've got to notify your attorney. You've got to get this thing answered before there's a default judgment. So that's another one, Taylor, that's really important. People don't appreciate the need for a registered agent, but you could lose a lawsuit like that if you don't have a proper registered agent. Wow. So I guess I'm curious about the distribution of the or the causes behind half of these uh, lawsuits piercing the corporate veil. What are the main causes or the drivers of the, the courts piercing those those corporate veils? I mean, it, it, these are probably the top two. But what's the you know breakdown of the, the most common ones? Well, it's really it really relates to the facts of the case. The, the more shocking the case, the more often uh, the veil is pierced. But in the veil piercing procedure, what happens is someone sues the company over a claim and there's no money. And the person suing says, well, I know that the owner of this corporation has a bunch of money and I bet the owner didn't follow the formalities. And so we're going to go through. We have a judgment against the corporation. We're going to show the court that they didn't follow these formalities and we're going to get at the owner. And again, it happens 50% of the time. So what you want to do is just follow these easy formalities, you know, and there's no, there's no set law. Each state is a little different. Uh, Some courts, you have to really have an extreme case. Other courts, they'll pierce the veil at the drop of a hat. So you, you, the, the easy thing to do is just follow the formalities. <laughs> you know, it's just easy that way. So it's a little bit of rolling a dice. If you're kind of gambling on, yeah, I made one, two mistakes here, but you know, maybe the court will just let that go. It's a little bit of rolling the dice as to whether they really will let that go or not. It's easier to just do it the right way. Just do it the right way. It's so much easier. 
Gotcha. Okay. So right now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. The first step to growing your wealth is tracking your wealth, income, spending, and everything else about your finances. You can start tracking your wealth for free and get six free months of wealth advisory with personal capital by going to escapingwallstreet.com and using our link. Create your free account today and automate the way you track your money. Personal capital is my preferred way to track my finances, and now we're making that available for listeners. Terms and conditions apply. See the personal capital website for details. Once again, to get the offer, go to escapingwallstreet.com and use our link. Back to the show. All right, Garrett, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Yep. Are you ready? Uh Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Well, my education was a really good investment. But second was I wanted to learn about tax liens. And so I went to a tax lien sale east of Reno here in uh, Lyon County. And this was in the 90s. And no one had really heard about tax lien sales before. Uh, There was a group of about six guys who were all working in concert. And, you know, I was the outsider. But I managed to bid on one parcel it was on Highway 50. I mean, in between Carson uh, City and Fallon, where they just filmed the new Top Gun movie, you know, Top Guns at Fallon, Nevada. So I bought this parcel on at a tax lien sale on Highway 50 for $2,000. And I had to hold it for two years. Uh, and then I had to, you know, I held it for another few years. And someone came along and I paid 2000 for it. And they I sold it for 95000 Whoa. That was a pretty good deal. Wow. Wow. So how well what what time frame was this just out of curiosity? Early nineties. Early nineties. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Great. great now deal. the tax lead sales now, Taylor, there are a hundred people there, you know? Yeah. So I haven't more gone to one I haven't gone to one for a few years because everybody's aware of it. So are you in your personal investments? Do you have any particular focus right now, just out of curiosity? Are you willing to discuss that? Well, I like triple net properties. That's what my wife likes. So that's what I like. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. It's a good choice and very uh, tried and true, very stable, steady cash flow. Yeah, that's exactly nice. right. Great. Well, we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Well, I was involved in a publication in Sonoma County, which is the wine country near Napa. And we had a publication called Sonoma Monthly. And I was supposed to be the attorney. And uh, we had all these people that were going to do all the editorial stuff and everything. And, uh, you know, one by one, they dropped out. And I was kind of left holding the bag with this thing. I was much younger then. Uh, So I found myself as a publisher of a monthly publication. And, uh, you know, these people didn't give it time. I I think if, you know, we'd had a dedicated effort, uh, it would have been fine. But, you know, I... I didn't know what I was doing at that time. So I lost money on that one pretty big. Did it fold? Did it sell it off? Did you sell it off? Like what was the the end? We just went out, you know, we just stopped publishing. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Bummer. Okay. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Well, through Sonoma Monthly and these other investments, I mean, you know, you can't have a good business with a bad partner. You know, you need to have the right partners on the team. And even though they're friends and family, maybe they're not the right business partner. So I think I always encourage my clients to think very carefully about who you bring in 
to a business, to a real estate investment, even if you're syndicating real estate, if you get that weird feeling, that spidey sense about someone, don't let them in, you know, don't accept their subscription uh, because it's not going to get any better. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I might just, you know, say, I'm sorry, but this isn't a right fit or if we sold it out or what. Yeah. Best to handle that upfront rather than on the back end. And right. well, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for sharing all these lessons. You, uh, do you mind telling us one more time about your book coming out and also the 15 minute paralegal consultation, if you like? Well, I'll hold this up for the third time. Veil, not fail. <laughs> And it's coming out soon. Uh, it should have been out a month ago, but there are supply chain paper issues. So also, if you want a free 15-minute consultation with one of our incorporating specialists, uh, you can go to corporatedirect.com slash schedule. And we'll talk to you for, you know, 15 minutes and tell you what our fees are, what our services are, and see if there's a fit. And so we are welcoming new clients. And if, if you're interested, it's corporatedirect.com. Great. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every monday tuesday and thursday that's when we're here that's when we're doing it right now i hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one bye-bye